0: This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob
1: Leffler. And good day to you. This is Bob right here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals just like you, where we explain why. Everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong, and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite, the way fearless agents do it. So uh, what I wanted to talk about today is kind of mindset, uh, goal setting, that kind of stuff. But um, uh, first, uh, Ramon, how are you today?
0: I am happy to be here in the luxurious studio. Yes, high High atop.
1: What are we on the fifth floor here, yep. roughly?
0: I can see the there's the dumpster. You know, you, right you there.
1: shut the blinds on my window. I'm, I'm, I can't see a thing. People uh, downstairs have requested it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they don't want to
0: see me. They don't want to look up in they the They don't want to look at it. Is there when like a
1: theater down there or something? Yes, I'll open
0: them when you leave.
1: Uh so let's we let's start with the headlines of the day. Shall this is we? good stuff.
0: Yes. Excitement building.
1: So a new study. I love these studies, don't you? I do. This is medical stuff, Ramon. Oh, no. Yeah. This is it going to be graphic? This is science. Okay. Hard science. You know well, what I'm talking about? I do. So the, you've heard of this COVID-19 thing. You ever heard about that? No,
0: no, no. Mm-hmm. I haven't uh, really paid attention too much, though. Well,
1: uh, a new study has revealed that wearing eyeglasses can actually reduce your chances of contracting COVID-19. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that study was conducted by lens crafters. I do want you to know that. Okay, that's enough of that. Oh, enough honey. of that. <laughs> that's just about enough. Too soon to too make Too soon. Too soon to make COVID jokes. I don't know. So, um, says the guy who had his vaccine. Now, let's already. do some trivia. Want okay. do a little trivia? Sure. So uh, I don't have a sound effect for that. Though. I know we don't have a trivia sound effect. It would be the Jeopardy music, probably. Yes, it? Yeah. Do you ever watch the Jeopardy?
0: No, no. I, Never it,
1: have watched Jeopardy.
0: It makes me feel dumb. So therefore, to feel smart, I watch Judge Judy instead. Yeah, that so, does make you feel oh, smart. Yeah. So I can't
1: watch <laughs> Jeopardy. <laughs> That's the opposite of Jeopardy, right mm. there, Judge Judy. So, I, although I, th- I have a feeling she might do okay on Jeopardy.
0: Oh, I think she seems
1: smart. Yeah, it's just does. the people. Do you ever notice how these people that come in? There's always it's always a dry cleaning dispute or yeah. a pet. Dis- it's, a, it's a lease. Something Limousines going.
0: are often involved. Oh, Some is that Some kind of right? limousine service that didn't you? Know,
1: pull well, that's odd. like yeah. they didn't show up and we had Correct. to cancel the wedding. Yes, yeah, of course. Well, they get flat tires. It, what yeah, about
0: just, Jeopardy, though? Tell me.
1: Well, I, you know, it's just tr- useless trivia. Something oh, okay. I'm famous for enjoying. Mm. So uh, America is mm-hmm. a superpower. Did You you heard about this, right? I have, yeah. That yeah. means we can kick your butt in any war and that kind of thing. True. So uh, it was not always that way. Did you know that? I would assume so. Right before World war, I, World war II. Yes. When World War II broke out, what was our ranking militarily by country? Oh, wait a minute. How old were you then? uh well i was not yet born i'm, <laughs> I'm thankful sorry. to say i apologize it was about 10 years later that i than I, was I, born. I
0: saw an opening and i went for it
1: right so there. what would you guess there's no prize except humiliation if you get it wrong we uh, were not number one i'll give you that uh, in the, ra- the maybe in other words fought. when pearl harbor was bombed yes where were we ranked i would say maybe fifth in we the were Supreme? number 14 behind romania Really, yeah wow. we had we had uh World War one was the war to end all wars. we scuttled our fleet, we said, we're not doing war anymore. we sank our ships and we were completely caught off guard, unprepared and then uh Franklin Roosevelt said, Oh my gosh, you know we're we're going to war, and then uh in nineteen forty three uh we had at the end of 1943, we had seven million American servicemen in uniform, and uh, uh, by 1945, there were 16 million men in uniform. If wow. you can imagine that, so uh, so the president. Roosevelt says, hey, I need somebody to build bombs, build tanks. So there was a guy named Henry J. Kaiser. Now, there was a car called the Henry J. Do you remember that? I do. I see him at car shows all the time. When I was was in uh, high school, I remember walking by the Circle K and parked in front of it was this Henry J., which was kind of like a late 40s or 50s car. So Henry J. Kaiser of the aluminum foil fame, he uh, was – the guy that was put in charge of building all the ships and all all that kind of stuff. And at the beginning of the war, it would take to build a battleship, it would take about six months. It would take about 196 days. And then uh, later during the war, he got that down to 27 days, which is about a month. And by 1943, which was only one year after the war started, it a new battleship would roll off the assembly line if you can imagine this every ten hours. Can you imagine that? That's, That's crazy. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah. So there was a hundred and two thousand tanks built there was two hundred ninety-six thousand planes built. There were eighty-eight thousand ships built. Can you imagine that? It's just crazy.
0: How long does it take now for one battleship to be built? If we build uh, them, I don't even know if we it's build a
1: union contract. Uh-oh. I think by the year forty-fifty, it'll be done. Is probably what I'm guessing. So, so um, in when I was a little kid, uh, you remember this, but John F. Kennedy was making a speech. Were you alive when John F. Kennedy was making a speech? No sixty
0: one.
1: No, so uh, he he makes a speech. I believe it was in nineteen sixty one, and he says, "America is going to put a man on the moon." Now, the Russians had done Sputnik; they were killing us in the in the uh, race to space, and we thought that wars were going to be won in space. Now that again, we know is true. So he says, "We're going to put a man on the moon in ten years," and he says this in nineteen sixty one. So people thought, oh, my gosh, how can they do that? So, you know, that was the thing we could do. They were, they were doing all these other things, you know, but we said, okay, we can get a man on the moon. And uh, so they get to work doing that. Now, that kicks off the worst. Now, we've had a pretty bad year the past past year. We've had some riots and stuff, you may have noticed.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think I've seen a couple things on
1: the uh, media about that. It literally is nothing compared to what was going on back back in those days. So again, right after, you know, two years later, John F. Kennedy is assassinated. Uh, Martin Luther King is assassinated after that. Uh, Bobby Kennedy is assassinated after that. The Watts riots happened. And in 1968, there were Over 150 active riots going on on the same day all across America. It was was absolutely horrendous. So then you have the Vietnam War going horribly. That's a disaster. It's such a disaster that Lyndon Johnson, a sitting president, is being challenged by his own party. He does not even run for re-election, if you can imagine such a thing. And then you have Richard Nixon becoming president. You have Watergate. I mean it is just an unmitigated disaster, one thing after another, and then – and runaway inflation. But on July 21, 1969, every American is in the same spot at the same time. They're sitting in front of their black and white TV and they're watching Neil Armstrong walk on the moon, right? One small step for man. And on the very same night – an anonymous person lays a wreath on the grave of John F. Kennedy that said, the eagle has landed. Can you imagine that? So massive things, problems in the face of all kinds of adversity. Uh, If you have the right goal and you stick to it and you remain focused. Now, while all those distractions were going on, the kids down at NASA, have you seen that movie, The... uh, Hidden Figures. Have you seen that movie? No, but I do want to see that about one. the women that worked at NASA. Yeah, so great, great movie. It kind of illustrates what that time was like. But uh, you know, I would say I would say this to real estate agents. I uh, when I got into real estate, I failed miserably for about five years, and uh, you know, didn't know what I was doing. I had horrible training, uh, and it kind of you know beat me down. I was willing to do anything anybody would have taught me to do and uh and then I met the right person at the right time, five years after failing. I was probably ready to get out of real estate and then I meet the right person at the right time, and they are able to train me so my hope is that I would be that right person for you know those of you who are listening, some of you if it 's a good fit, but you know I was thinking about um uh, I – when when I was a little kid, the Cold War was at its peak in the early 60s and I went to – my parents sent me to this weird school down on Central Avenue in Glendale and it was called the Arizona Language School. So I'm four years old. I'm bugging the crap out of my parents to teach me how to read. And uh, so they didn't know what to do. So then when we were broke, I don't know how they afforded this. So I go to this school and by the time I'm five years old, I can read Russian and English and Spanish and read any book in English. Like I could read the encyclopedia or anything. So then I get in a horrible car accident. This is before seatbelts were invented. Let me just say one of the best inventions ever is seatbelts. So I'm in the back seat of a 62 Chevy 2 and we get broadsided. I end up fracturing my skull, which I think explains many of the jokes Mm -hmm. on this show. Some of the pieces of the puzzle. A lot of questions just got answered right there. Starting to fit, yeah. But I uh, ended up dropping out of that school and then I go to a regular grade school and, uh, which I think I can see from this window if we were to open the window. But, uh, so then I'm way ahead of all the other kids and I just get bored out of my mind and I end up dropping out of high school. Uh, even though I you know I've taken three years of Latin, I, you know, I've done all this stuff and then and I just get, I hated every minute of high school. I end up dropping out of high school. Then I become a biker, loser, scuzzball and all kinds of stuff goes bad. So, um, uh, uh some of those things, as you know, I have to go to meetings for. Right? <laughs> so I am uh, telling a story one day in one of those meetings about how these I'm, – I'm go, I go to lunch with uh, my friend Ronnie Ham who was on the show. Oh, that's Remember great. Ronnie? Yeah. And we were doing the dating app. We were on Hinge oh, or something yes, doing yes. the dating I, app I comedy. I believe
0: that's still available uh, <laughs> yes, for now.
1: Yeah. For that, now. that one might go away. Kind of a Me Too thing. But uh, so I'm in Macayo's restaurant at McCormick Ranch by my house and I'm I'm eating with Ronnie and the waitress comes over. Her name is Myra. And uh, she we're joking around. Ronnie says something dumb. And I said, nah, don't listen to him. He's an idiot. He's stupid. You know, I'm just kidding. And she says, oh, no, you're not stupid. She goes, by the way, I never went to school. And I said, I said uh, no, he is stupid, really. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I go, Did you, what do you mean you didn't go to school? She goes, I never went to school. I said, when you were a kid, you never went to school? She goes, no. I said, well, where are you, where are you from? You're from? Are you from Mexico? She goes, yeah, I'm from Mexico. And you never went to a school? She says, no. I said, well, do you know how to read? She goes, no. I go, well, how do you take people's orders and stuff? She goes, Well, I've you know, I've memorized the menu. And I said, Look, I can teach you how to read. I know how to do that. She goes, Oh, stop it, you know, and I go, No, I'm not kidding. And Ronnie goes, No, he's not kidding. He can teach you how to read. So I go every morning at nine A.M. and this Myra lady and her friend Patricia, who is also a waitress there. So they come in, they work till like ten PM at night. They come at nine A.M. to sit with me and I go through these little exercises with them. So there's this book in case anybody is listening and they have a a, a child who maybe doesn't read well or, uh, or an adult who doesn't read well. There's a book called Why Johnny Can't Read and it's the best thing if you want to be hooked on phonics times 10. But it's a very quick, easy way to learn how to read. So now they have the additional challenge of not speaking English. So they pronounce you know it's my sister. <laughs> you know, they don't pronounce sister. So uh I have that additional challenge with them is to keep teach them to pronounce English and uh, and then learn how to read. So English you know, is
0: not a very easy one. It is one of the learn. hardest ones
1: to learn. That's yeah. true. So uh we have a lot of rules with exceptions, I guess I would say. So uh so Patricia and her are doing that. So Patricia's got a little you know, not an infant daughter, but like a toddler daughter. I teach them how to read, and then Patricia and I eat there, so I see them. And I'm like a celebrity there now. You know, I can get I can get right to the front of the line. You know, but um, so Patricia says, uh, you know, I was. She goes, I was never able to read my daughter a book, and she goes, I was now able to sit down and read my read my daughter these little kitty books. So I'm, I'm telling this story in my meeting in the morning, and then this old guy who's a Vietnam vet. Uh, his name is Eddie. Now this guy's gone to Vietnam. He's got his leg blowed up and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, and I don't really know him that much. And he comes over to me and he says, hey, uh, you know, I don't know how to read. And I go, really? He goes, would you teach me how to read? I go, of course, of course. I said, we'll meet here uh, after our meeting every day and I'll I'll go through these little exercises. So now he is able to read and and, you know, he enjoys reading all the time and he's doing it. So so the um, the thing is, is he went, you know, now this guy's an iron worker. He worked on the Bank One ballpark downtown as an iron worker. He goes up on these 10-story buildings and welds stuff together. And You know, you and I probably don't know how to, I know I don't know how to do it. No. But he knows how to do stuff, but nobody ever taught him how to read. Well, nobody ever taught me how to sell real estate. For five years, I didn't know what I was doing, and it was me saying, "Hey, I'm willing to have help with that." And you know, there are people who are listening to this. Uh, hopefully, are there people listening to this? <laughs> Wait, I know should, I am. We should. I'm gonna bu- have coffee. My mouth is dry. uh
0: Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm, this is part of my. do we have
1: coffee music? I, I need- oh, hold on. so if you're. If you're out there and you're thinking, gee, there's this stuff I don't know how to do. I wish I knew how to do it. You know, fearless agent coaching students of mine are able to perform biblical-level miracles in real estate that mere mortals are not able to do. And it's because we have this skill set that nobody else has. Now, I was taught that not by – I didn't figure it out on my own. I was taught by a guy, the only guy in the entire real estate industry that, that could have taught me that. His name is Floyd Wickman. I talk about him commonly. Um, but if I hadn't, learned it from him. And then he taught me how to think like a salesperson. So the truth is um, I could be in any situation and think up what is the right sales thing to say in that situation. I'm not talking about always be closing. I'm not talking about high pressure. I'm not talking about manipulating. I'm talking about asking the one smart question that needs to be asked that gets people's head right to help them for their sake and always be able to think that up. So he taught me that the secret to sales is you have this elaborate setup that leads to one magic question that has no wrong answer and you already know the answer and again you're trying to do something for the benefit of the buyer or the seller or the uh investor whoever your client is so and do it in such a way that the competing you know like if i got the listing uh the buyer has the uh the buyer has an agent well the buyer is not it's not really an adversarial thing we're trying to come together to an agreement um and and you know make sure everybody's happy also. So uh, now I have that skill in every single area of real estate. There's no there's no complicated scenario you could think up where I wouldn't have the right answer or know the right question to ask to end up with the right answer and to help the people. So if you if you think about all the situations you get yourself in. There's not that many of them in real estate. So you're you're going to be sitting uh, in somebody's house probably uh, across the kitchen table from a couple or some people uh, that are thinking about selling their house, giving a listing presentation. You're going to be sitting in your office with uh, some people who are thinking about buying a house, giving the buyer presentation, hopefully – resulting in a buyer-broker agreement signed before you ever search the MLS or show a single house. You're going to be sitting in your office with an investor who may be loaded up with real estate uh, that they should not own that's giving them a very low rate of return that would be interested in trading it tax-free for properties, doing a 1031 tax-free exchange for properties if you're in America, not Canada. That they should own that gives them a much higher rate of return. You're going to be on the phone with these same people trying to book an appointment to meet with them. And uh, I don't want any of you to ever not have the exact right words to say in any money making real estate sales situation ever. I don't want that because I remember what it was like to not have the right words and rely on my personality. Now, uh, my personality as defective as it is uh, has not changed you know when i was failing for five years my personality uh, and all the rapport building i did and all the you know and i had gone through all these training programs and they all taught me so many i would just there were flat out lies um, they they would say things like you know rapport building is what you have to do well that turned out to not be true. Uh, They would say, uh, your big why uh, is, you know, like if I'm not succeeding, this is a con man thing that uh, self-help gurus do. They they say, um, like Tony Robbins calls himself the why guy. Well, the reason he's the why guy is because he doesn't know how. If you know how, you don't have to worry about why. If you like money, wouldn't that be good enough for to, you know, feed your family, do do what you want to do, take vacations that you can afford, not put things on credit cards. So the why isn't if if you're struggling in real estate, why is not your problem. How is your problem. I don't I don't care why you want to succeed. I I assume it's either for uh Uh, you know, capitalist reasons or your egalitarian concern for your fellow man. I don't really care what it is. If you don't know how, you're not going to succeed. So forget the why. Focus on the how. And the how is there are activities you can learn how to do. There are skills you can learn. There's a schedule you can follow. There's some systems you can put in place that are going to guarantee that you are going to succeed. And for whatever reason, no one in the real estate industry teaches that. So Dave Weiss, who was on our – he was on the podcast a couple of times, I believe, wasn't he? Remember him? Yes, I do. So he's the new part-time chef guy. So he just called me a minute ago. But – so now he has been in uh, the business for eight weeks and he has sold 11 – Properties, so now he's a full-time chef from 3 p.m. to, you know, midnight. So part-time he's done all that. So um, I was talking to his manager yesterday, who's a very nice guy. The owner in the, of his company is fantastic. His manager is great. And there's 300 agents in that in that company. And I said to his manager, I said, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, I said, do you know who who the number one agent is in, in your company? And he said, yeah, it's – and he named this guy. I said, no, it's actually Dave Weiss, my coaching student, who's only been in the business for eight weeks. And he goes, oh, no, that's not right. I go, no, it actually is right. You need to check on that because in the last eight weeks, Dave is on track to make over half a million dollars. And I don't know what he makes doing the chef job, but I think it's less than eighty. So he has, you know, quadrupled uh, and then some, quintupled his 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 earnings. So what is it that's special about David Weiss? Well, it's nothing other than he gets into a business where he knows nothing, and he does the opposite of what all the other agents in his office do. So there's 300 agents in that company that are doing the opposite of what Dave is. And in eight weeks, Dave is the number one earning agent, and he is the number one producing agent. And he's a nice guy, and his customers absolutely love him. The other agents that he works with loves him. So he's, and I wouldn't argue he's doing everything right. But the one thing he's doing right is he's doing exactly what I tell him to do. And he never argues with me. He just says I'll do it. And in. In six weeks, he had learned all five of the Fearless agent presentations. so listing, pricing, Fisbo, buyer and investor. He learned those in only six weeks. So my message to to you is if if any of what we talk about uh, on this podcast makes sense to you, and you happen to be like Dave, who is brand new and or like me, you know, failing uh, miserably or just earning less than you wish you were. If you are open to the idea of having some help with that, like Dave is, and you're a nice person and you'd like to learn more, you can call me anytime. All you have to do is pick up the phone and please don't text me or email me. Actually pick up the phone like a salesperson would. Call me at 480-385-8810. If I don't answer, which I commonly do, You just leave a message and I'll call you back. I love talking to realtors. I don't want you to think you're bothering me. But what we're going to figure out after having a um, conversation is that uh, either a fearless agent is a good fit for you, and if it is, you will get rich like Dave is. Dave is rich, realtor rich. Uh, Not Oprah rich, but realtor rich. Um, And if it is a good fit for you, Uh, you'll have fun. You'll make a lot more money. Everything in your real estate career will be much, much easier and more profitable than the other agents in your company, uh, have their experience being. And if it's not a good fit, uh, we'll just admit that to each other. And it's not a good fit for everybody. But, um, but if it is, if you're nice and you're, and you're, you know, willing to show up to work and, uh, and and there is no hard work. Nobody's going to get sweaty. Um, and you're willing to learn five presentations, be very pure to the fearless agent dialogues on the phone, and get every single bit of that poisonous Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, Brian Buffini crap that's out there in the real estate industry out of your head. If your company taught it to you, you must get it completely out of your head. Just be pure fearless agent and be nice on the phone, and everybody's nice in person. But be nice on the phone. Don't be argumentative. You'll never have to overcome objections. You just have to be nice and always ask only smart questions, get those questions answered, and you will have the experience that Dave has that the other fearless agents that you hear on the, on our podcast have. And then, again, like, like America had in uh, – After the bombing of Pearl Harbor, we had a big job to do. Uh, We had very little resources to do it with, but we knew we had to get it done. And we all came together and got focused. And, uh, you know, now we are the world's number one superpower. Now, if you would like to be your office's number one superpower, uh, all you have to do is call me anytime. Uh, All you got to do is go to fearlessagent.com. Please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to to it. But watch the videos on my website. Um, If you are a real estate company owner and you happen to be recruiting fewer producing agents than you wish you were, you can also call me. Uh, Love helping company owners do that. So one way or the other, if you're in real estate and you want to get rich, I know I can help you do that. So until next week, I want you to do what we always do as fearless agents: three things. We always have fun, right, Ramon? We do. Even you and me have fun. I do.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because we
1: got nothing better to do. Nope. Gonna have fun. I'm here. Might as well. Always be humble. You're very humble. Well. He's a humble. Yeah. And I'll tell you every time that I am. (laughs) And then most of all, be fearless. Thanks, Gabe.